0: Today, I am bringing you a bonus episode that I am super excited about. This is episode 359, and my guest is Kira D'Amato, who just recently broke the American record in the marathon in Houston, running a time of 219.12. This was a record that is a huge deal. I mean, all American records are a huge deal, but this was a record held by Dina Castor since 2006 at the London Marathon, and to see Kira break this record was truly a phenomenal and inspirational situation. I don't know how long you have been following Kira's story, but you first heard from Kira on this podcast in January of 2020, right after she had ran a 234 in Berlin. That was episode 216. She's since been on two other times, episode 244, which is a really fun episode. We did that, it was a fun Friday episode right after the pandemic began. And then she came on again, episode 293, after she ran a 222.56 at the Marathon Project for the seventh fastest all time American marathon time. Okay, so now she's got the fastest. She's got the fastest. Kira is a realtor. She's the mom of two. She is sponsored by Nike, which is a fairly recent partnership. And in this episode, we talk about her new record. We talk about her training, her coach, and what all this means to her. The reason this is a bonus episode is I originally recorded this yesterday on Instagram. I've been doing some really fun Instagram live interviews, just a different way to do interviews and have been having fun with those post-race interviews, Um, along with Kira recently on Instagram Live. I've done an interview with Molly Huddle, Sarah Vaughn. We caught up with Sarah Vaughn on Instagram Live after she ran her 226 at CIM for her debut marathon. Molly Huddle shared with us about her new book that's coming out, as well as how her pregnancy is going and what running looks like now for her. Uh, there's Instagram Live with Laura Thweet and Emma Bates. And if we keep going back, we've got one with Shalane Flanagan, which I posted here on the podcast. Courtney Frerichs after she medaled at the Olympics. So lots of fun stuff over there. Uh, my Instagram is hines 626 if you want to follow along and see those interviews in real time. Uh, so there's a A tiny bit of an internet connection here with Kira. It's not too bad and it gets better throughout the interview. So it happens a little more at the beginning and then it gets a little bit better throughout the interview. So hang on, stick with us for this one. Enjoy this conversation with Kira D'Amato. Hey Kira. Hi, how are you? I'm
1: good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm still on a little bit of a high, which is which is a good thing. How how are you doing? Are you in North
0: Carolina now? Yes. So we're close to each other. Yeah, we're not too far. How are you liking it? I we love it. I mean it's an adjustment because we are you know, I have to make new friends and it's hard to do at this stage of life, but the kids have all found great friends in our neighborhood and Um, it's, it's going to be good for us. It's just going to take time because our network of people isn't here, you know? Yeah.
1: Hold on. So you're telling me you can have friends outside of your kids? Is that, that's, that's possible to have
0: relationships (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, I don't, I don't know if you have time for that when you run a hundred miles a week and you have a full-time job and two kids, but... (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm a pretty bad friend right now, but my friends they all understand too. So I forget a lot of birthdays, I miss a lot of events, but um but they they understand. So
0: listen, I just bought a new calendar and I made it my goal for 2022 to write down the friend birthdays, the cousin birthdays, all the birthdays in the calendar so I at least remember to send a text.
1: Oh, that's good. That's really good.
0: Hi everyone. Um, Guys out there. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) Kira, Kira, I want to give a shout out to your mother-in-law. She, she messaged me that she would be here and she was excited for the the conversation. I love her.
1: Yaya is awesome. She is always here. She, she's just up for whatever. So I can start asking her a question be like, Hey, what do you think about if we went? She's like, I'm in. I'm like, I haven't even (laughs) finished the question.
0: She's like, I'm in, you know, you tell me something. I'm going to be there. You don't even know what we're going to do. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, for everybody joining, if you're here from Kira's page, I'm Lindsay, and I host the podcast, I'll Have Another, with Lindsay Hine. And Kira has been on the show several times, way back in January 2020, when she just ran that 234 in Berlin. And, uh, man, to see what you have done, Kira, over these past two years is completely insane and completely incredible
1: yeah it's been really wild and I think for me coming back that I was a competitive elite athlete back in college and post-collegiately and then I took a lot of time off where I was still kind of running for fun just not competitively but just running because I loved it and then coming back and having two kids I think that I improved a lot over a short time because I was building back up and during Wait for having two kids and just trying to get back into racing.
0: Yeah. So I wonder. Maybe we should talk about that. Like taking all that time off and then coming back at this and really hitting it hard for like well, really more than those two years. But like once you ran the two thirty fat four in Berlin, like really hitting it hard. Like, do you feel like you had less pressure on? on you because it was just, you were new to the elite scene at this point in your life? Absolutely. And I didn't come back to do
1: this, right? Like I had really small steps, like, you know, I took really sm- small steps to get here. And it was honestly never my goal to come back and run and set the American record. Like if you would have told me at the beginning of this journey, that's where I was headed. I wouldn't have even started because that just was way right. too But coming back and just wanting to run to lose weight and then wanting to run for a little control and a little mental sanity reason and then to like run a marathon and it's just I kept the next goal and I get a goal and just say, what's next, you know, and then well, what if I do this and let's try and I just kept on. It just snowballed to the point where I am now.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember when I interviewed you after the marathon project, when you ran the 220 high to 222. And I kind of said, like, I had no idea that was in you who did know that was in you. Mm -hmm. And you said you felt like you had this secret, like you knew what you were capable of all along. But how did any of how would any of us have known, but you knew that like steady progression was in you where do you think that self-belief came from?
1: I think it comes from my workouts and I work with Scott Roscoe as my coach and he's just such an amazing coach and he does he has a perfect combination of workouts that I think intimidate me mentally but I'm so capable of completing physically that I leave so many workouts thinking I can't believe I did that you know like and it It starts out slow and gets faster. So I think a lot of my confidence comes from my workouts. But I think also there was, like, a period of a couple years where I feel like I raced, like, under my potential. So when I ran Berlin and ran 234, I thought maybe on a good day I'd be in, like, the very low 230. So 230, 232. And then at the Olympic trial, 234 as well. And I thought I was in sub 230 shape then. So I think if that was a flat course and things went a little bit better for me. I wouldn't have been that surprised if I ran 226 228, but the course just kind of got the best of me, and it just completely dominated me that day. Um, And even at the marathon project, like I ran 222 high, and I left that feeling. I think I could have gone out a little faster. I think I didn't quite maximize my potential. Now, I don't think I could have mentally wrapped my head around going any faster that day, so I think I needed that race. as a stepping stool to get to where I am now, but going into Houston a couple weeks ago, I had a lot of confidence, thinking, "Well, a year ago, I was in 222 shape, and I felt like I'd run fast, and I'm in so much better shape now that I definitely should be able to do this." You know, I think that's—I um, don't know—I think a, kind of a trick of mine. I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but whether a race goes great or it doesn't, I like—I don't let that race confirm what kind of shape I'm in, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if, you know, at the trials are in 234, but I left the trials, you know, aside. like, I have no race to prove that. I have no time that put a stamp on it saying, yes, I proved it, but I just knew from my training and how things were going, that was like, in my wheelhouse. I think, um, just kind of, I don't know if that's ego or confidence, but just being able to say, like, you know what, that one race doesn't define shape. I know what kind of shape I'm in. And now I'm going to aim for higher than that.
0: I love that. That is, like, so incredible. I think that if we all took that mindset, because, in fact, like, if you knew you were in that shape but it just didn't happen on the race, like, that training cycle, that is in your body. Absolutely. And that is in your bank for your next marathon cycle.
1: Absolutely. And I think, like, I kind of, like, quote, unquote, underperformed According to like my goals, and I came up short of my goals, and those is so many times that I almost figured out like what not to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so races where I felt like I didn't quite nail it, I was learning, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you come up short from goal, it causes you to like really reflect a little bit more, and you're a little bit down, but you learn a whole lot more. So I've just, you know, I learned a lot. You know, I came up short a lot, and I learned a lot, and it finally came together in a really beautiful way for me.
0: You know, I, I read some of your post interviews and you kind of talked about how when you put your mind to, like, running your fastest and running that 518 pace rather than obsessing over, I can break the, America, the American record, it, like, kind of freed you to go do that. How important do you think that was for the success?
1: I think framing your goals in a manageable way is, like, 100% important I think being able to wrap your head around like internally what you think you can do is just so important because I mean a couple weeks before the marathon I was talking to like I realized that 518 equals an American record right but I try to completely detach it and I was talking to my husband and I was like how do I wrap my head around like that I think I can be the fastest one ever like and he's you won't, and you can't, so don't think about that, just, do you think you can run 518, I'm like, well, yeah, I know I can run 518, but then he's like, don't even, don't even, but just like, focus on what you know, you can control, and, you know, and even going into the race, the things that I controlled, I felt like really well, and there was a lot of things out of my, control. I was like, you know what, it's either gonna, the chips are gonna fall in my favor, or they're not, the stars are gonna align a little bit, or they're not, you know, but I know I've, like what i could to get here so i'm gonna just focus on that so i don't know i i think that really helped me with like the is just kind of separating the two like external and internal goals i guess anthony just the best isn't he he's a good uh he's somewhere in the house right now i
0: mean how about you giving him some love on the today show
1: that was really, really cool, and it's funny because I had, like, a little run-through with the producer the night before, and I was like, hey, my husband's birthday's tomorrow. I've been a little distracted. I don't have something awesome planned, so you guys could really get me out of the doghouse by letting me do a little shout-out. So they wrote it in. They're like, yeah, I think we'll have time, and I'm like, well, do you think or do you know? <laughs> <laughs> And so that's why I had that sign there. Like, just in case they're like, oh, that's all for Kira. I was going to be like, hey, and happy birthday, you know? So, like, I had, like, a fail-safe plan. Uh, but knowing that they might give me the opportunity, I was telling Anthony, I'm like, hey, I'm really nervous for this one. He's like, you are? Like, Can you please, like, just come sit up next to me? Just be there. Just because I knew if I got that opportunity, it would be so fun to pull him in, too. So he was a little surprised. He wished I would have given him the heads up. He's like, man, I would have brushed my hair. I <laughs> A little more presentable, but he looked so cute. He did awesome.
0: <laughs> that is so good. I mean, I love Hoda and Savannah. That I was so happy. I love that they framed it as Marathon Mom, too. I love this. made me laugh.
1: I know. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, look. I'm watching downstairs with Tommy. I saw that.
0: Yeah. Oh, hi, Tommy.
1: Hi, yeah. Shout
0: out to Tommy. I also loved Tommy's post-race interview. Um, I forget who the interviewer was, but, like, on race day, he was so freaking cute.
1: Oh man, I'm mean, going to like start crying just thinking about that because like just finishing and seeing my kids like with their signs, like their homemade signs. And and you know, I talked to my mom afterwards and when they were making the signs, like she didn't instruct them at all. They just wrote what they want wanted. And just like I don't know, I think it's really like Tommy Sign, Quince was awesome too, but Tommy Sign just like you're number one in my heart. I just feel like show <laughs> So much that it's like he doesn't really care how I run or not and I think that's really freeing that my family will support me whether you know I'm trying to complete a marathon or try to win a marathon or whatever that goal is that just like knowing that like when I come home I'm just mom that makes some dinner <laughs> you know it's just that takes a lot that uh I don't know it just helps keep it grounded I guess
0: I can totally see that I think if I think no matter what like Struggle or hard thing you're trying to commit yourself to, like if you can, if you bring yourself back to your kids, I think it's so grounding because being a kid is like the most freeing experience you're ever going to have in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody is dying to know what watch you use to run, and they've asked three times, so let's just answer that now.
1: Okay, I ran in the Garmin
0: 935 forerunner.
1: I really like that I'm not sponsored. I don't have, like, a watch. I haven't tried all the watches, so I would definitely be open to try ones. But I like that the Garmin gives you kind of that mile split. Um, like, in the even – so if you're out for a run and then you want to go the next mile, even if you're in the middle of the mile, you can press the to give you the mile split. I don't know. It's just a feature I really like on that. But, yeah, I ran in the Garmin, but um, open to try other watches.
0: Um.
1: Shout out to Koros if you want to
0: hit Kira up. (laughs) Hey, so you had two Pacers, Callum and Silas, and I'm curious with using the Pacers. Well, A, marathon PR for Callum. Did that make you nervous at all when you reached out to him knowing that would be a marathon PR to him? And um, talk to us about that experience.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. Callum is such a solid person he just seems like he has it all under control and he's very genuine and very straightforward. And, you know, for me, it was also like, none of us have been there, you know? So we didn't really know how anyone was going to react to that pace that laid in. And um, yeah, I don't know. He just is so smooth and the fact that he's done all these ultras too. And I don't know. I don't know. I just felt really confident that he lives right outside of Houston. He's done that course. I mean, so many times he says he knows every pebble. he knew all the tangents so that like brought me a lot of like confidence with him um yeah he's also just like a really good person so i think maybe like two weeks before the race i checked in with him being like, hey uh because we never talked about pace i was like in december i was like hey you want to pace me and he's like i'm in and so we <laughs> get deeper than that you know so a couple weeks before i was like okay i think it's gonna be 518 how do you feel about that like i great and I'm like okay perfect and then um my other piece is so he used to live in Virginia we used to do some workouts together he moved to California which really broke my heart but I'm so happy for him and Emily because they are doing so great out there and they love it out there but he really, I think I was hoping they came back so we could all run together again but um but he had never even done a marathon oh my so, gosh <laughs> yeah first marathon and uh I think he he did like a 20 mile, 20 some mile run in his training, but I never worry about him either cuz he's just this like I don't know, I show up with whatever workout and he's so on the money and so smooth that like I don't know, he's just such a intuitive runner. I don't even know how else to put it. So, I really uh have a lot of trust in him too. So, I was just like, yeah, the three goes. We got this.
0: I love it. So, did you like tell tell us how often you look down at your watch. I mean, you had to be so focused.
1: I know. I don't think, I think maybe towards the end, I looked down a couple okay. times, but I don't know. Like I've done a lot of tempo work in the low five teens. So I thought running five eighteen that day and just locking in was going to feel like pretty locked in. And I never quite felt like that comfortable. So I didn't want the feedback from the watch. Cause I was worried. Like if I looked at the watch and it was a little bit Slow, would I panic because I wasn't feeling great and then think well if I'm already running slow it doesn't feel good or if I was going fast but I think oh my gosh I need to slow down like I can't go this fast I was like do you want know any like the pacers know what they're doing they're carrying the mental burden which is huge and weighs a lot so I'm so thankful I didn't have to deal with that but I just um I'm like I just don't think any sort of feedback is going to help so I just focused on, like, when's the next water stop? That's, like, how I get through. Like, my secret trick in running marathons, when I start feeling a little negative, like, when the voices start turning negative, I'm, like, get something to eat or drink. Mm-hmm. Focus on that. And I don't know if it's just focusing on, like, the new trick or actually putting something in your body kind of gives you that little pick-me-up and that peppy feeling. So I was just going, like, water stop to water stop was, uh, was what I was focusing on.
0: Yeah, something to look forward to is always helpful. Right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we have to hear about Dina calling you. The great Dina Castor, Kira broke her American record from 2006 in London. This is a huge deal, Kira. Like, you know, I mean, so many women have been marathoning for years professionally, and here you come in, and in two years, and it's just like this incredible – self-belief this performance you've been these performances you've been putting out for these past couple years um like what does this mean to you and how does it feel and tell us about the call with dina
1: yeah so the call right after the race my agent ray flynn was like hey dina's on the line and, like, that I couldn't wrap my head around. Like, everything about, like, I knew I could run that time. But, like, everything that happened after I crossed the line, I couldn't wrap my head around any of it. Because I just couldn't believe that, like, it all came together. So, when he said that, like, I have looked up to Dina for so long. Like, she is just, I have, like, her book. I, like, met her and she signed it. Like, I... Um, I work on the credit union cherry blossom 10 mile committee, as you know, and she was one of our speakers one year. So I like stepped up and like, I'll be her handler. So I picked her up from the airport and dropped her up at the hotel and picked her up and brought her to the expo. And that was just like, so cool to like meet her. And I was just, you know, trying not to be like too like fangirly, I guess. And ask. (laughs) But I just wanted to like ask everything and just like, I don't know, maybe through osmosis, just like learn from her and, she was so down to earth and grounded and family oriented and just loves running. And I don't know, I felt similar to her, you know? So I don't know. I just really enjoyed meeting her. So, yeah, afterwards she calls. She said, you know, back in, because she actually she broke it from Joan Benoit Samuelson in 2003, maybe. So when she broke it, Joan called her and said, congratulations officially patching the torch onto you. So she said, you know, Joan called me when or when I broke the record and now you say, you know, congratulations. Like you're officially carrying the torch. And I just I mean from Joan to Dina to me, like that just doesn't make too much I'm like you you know, But like there was a really special call. And that was really, really sweet. I mean, yeah,
0: you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I mean looking at that list of names, I mean it's like when you look at marathon history in our country, that's your name. You're up there with Dina and Joni. I mean, it's it's pretty freaking cool. What does it mean to you?
1: It means the world. Like, and I I don't understand it. I guess the first thing I don't understand it. Like, but to be in the same the same sentence with Joni Dina, it is, it's mind boggling. I can't I can't. I mean, especially like the women in like jones generation like set the path and they paved the way for for women to be able to compete at this level today right like women weren't all allowed into race they didn't think women's bodies could handle it you know so it's like it's taken generations of female runners to get to the point of equality here today and it's just it's really cool to be up there with such um legendary women
0: well you deserve it you did it you worked for that Hey, if you are planning to be down in Jacksonville, Florida for the Donna Marathon weekend, I hope you are. Saturday, February 5th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. at OKU, which is a restaurant on Jacksonville Beach. 502 First Street, North Jacksonville Beach. We are hosting a meetup, 2 to 4.30 p.m. Saturday, February 5th at OKU. Would love to see you there and meet up with you before the race. The race is Sunday. This meetup is Saturday. I have more information on my Instagram page, sharing that in stories over there as well, but wanted to go ahead and give you that information here on the podcast. So this Saturday, February 5th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. at OKU in Jacksonville Beach. Hope to see you there. Um, talk to me about what this means for you as a mom. Like, what do you most hope your kids see
1: when they see all this
0: not just mom competing in marathons because anybody's kids watching them run a marathon that's amazing like it is so cool that your kids get to experience that but what does it mean to you to be the american record holder and like your what do your kids what do you want your kids to take from that you know like i think that title
1: i don't really i mean what i would want my kids to take from just seeing me running is just to have the courage to find a passion and something that they love. And I don't even care what that is, but just for them to find out what they love and then having the courage to set like crazy goals and then knowing what to do with that. You know, you set the goal and then you work your butt off to achieve it, you know? So I just like, I mean, just my number one. Wish is, just like happiness and health. And if they can find something that makes them happy, running makes me, I think um, I'm doing a pretty good job. Then. <laughs> a decent job. Look we'll all a Yes.
0: Job. That's so, I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, when you, we talked way back in the day and you talked about when you started like really getting after it and training hard again, um, trying to balance like motherhood, working, And also, back in the day, Anthony was gone because he was traveling in the military, right? So you said that your coach said, find a way. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that became your motto. Like, find a way, make it work. So what's your advice to someone who, like, has a big, scary goal but, like, is busy? We're all busy, right? Everybody's got a to-do list but you really want to hit this goal. What's your advice?
1: I think to, because goals sometimes, I think especially for parents, there's guilt around that, right? Especially goal, with running, like it feels selfish, right? So I think number one is accepting that it's okay to have a little, like a goal for yourself or something that feels like a little selfish, you know, like within reason, right? And then finding how, you know, just that, marriage of you know squeezing it in when like no one notices and then asking for for help you know so i try to get a lot of my runs in like i get the kids on the bus and then i try to get out but there's a lot of mornings where it's way too hot and i can't work out then so i have to you know then all the family kind of switches around their schedule so i think it's just I don't know, kind of being a little stubborn with that, too, and that you really deserve that, you know? Like, it's okay just to make that space and create that time, and it's okay to ask for help, you know? Like, I have a huge support system. Like, I wouldn't be out here – wouldn't be here without Team D'Amato. And even when when my goal was just to finish a race or, you know, just put in some time or I just wanted – my goal today is to run an hour. That, you know, that's my only goal. It, even moving forward, like – I for help with that and I think it was really awesome to see people like step up and want to help and uh, even when my husband was gone like you know my parents and my mother and father-in-law would come over a lot watch the kids or I'd hire a babysitter on the street you know and I'd pay her whatever I needed to get out for an hour or two and it felt like I was you know purposely spending money on something that I didn't need you know hard to justify that at first but then I did it a couple times and it's all so good, and uh, just giving that like little space to myself. So I don't know. It's just it's finding a balance with your family, not being afraid to ask for help. You know, I don't know that.
0: Yeah, that was also a resounding theme from our first episode we recorded was was getting over the guilt of asking for help because mm-hmm. the, the the time passes. Like your kids aren't little forever. You won't need that kind of help forever. Mm -hmm. um yeah oh that's so good kira um oh mileage though okay Mm -hmm. coming off chicago we knew chicago you were coming back off an injury right Mm -hmm. and you had a great race placed fourth but obviously we knew there was more in the cooker there with you um talk to us about how you manage your mileage from chicago to houston it seemed like based on Strava and people in my Facebook group saying that you are relatively lower mileage going into Houston for running so fast. So talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think that for me, mileage, how do I explain this? That it's never like, that's not the indicator of how well training's going for me. Right. And I think coming back, there's been times like before the Olympic trials, for the marathon I was running between 100 and 130 and that I was managing it great I was putting the work I built this huge base which I think really propelled me through a really great 2020 um, but I didn't have that base like from Chicago and into Houston so I couldn't just add on the miles like I, you know, I was doing a lot of PT, I was doing a lot of Pilates, I was adding a lot of like, non mileage work to prevent further injury to strengthen. And I think that that doesn't really go into that mileage number. But I've never worked so hard in my life on all those small things. Um, And they were super time consuming to do that. Um, So and then I think building up without that huge base, you know, the 10% rule that you can't build up that much. So we were definitely constrained a little bit with mileage but we what we lacked in mileage and volume we made up with intensity so my workouts became even harder the paces became even faster even my recovery days because I wasn't doing as many miles were just faster we're just naturally because my legs weren't so dead so that it really opened my eyes to like there's not one way up balance you know some people really like that high mileage and other people don't need it and sometimes you build a huge base and you can back off a little bit on mileage and, you know, towards the end going into Houston like we knew if things went well I would hit that and actually sometimes people want to keep on adding keep on doing more keep you know it's like a nervous thing and for mm-hmm. me I feel good with where I am I need to just like maintain I need to stay healthy no increase so really focused on um all all things and making sure that I stayed healthy, injury free, and that I just got gave myself a chance to race and got to the starting line healthy. But, but yeah, I think I was averaging maybe I got into the high eighties, but I'd kind of rotate between I think in the seventies to high eighties for from Chicago to to Houston.
0: I mean, that's really pretty cool to hear. Honestly, you just don't hear too many pro marathoners going much under 100 miles, it seems like. And I mean, I'm saying that to, you know, people running at the everyday level, like someone trying to break three hours, like you don't have to run 90 miles, 100 mile weeks to hit that goal. And, and arguably, all that extra work you were doing really matters more than those like 20 extra miles that you might be doing because who wants to be injured,
1: Right. And I definitely like my long runs were there. You know, every week I was doing a long
0: run that ranged anywhere
1: from, I mean, at the beginning, maybe 16 or so miles, and I built up to, I think, 24 is the longest okay. I did. My long tempos were there, and sometimes I'd even put that tempo. I think my last big workout, I put a 14 mile tempo, and then I put a 24 mile run. Um, so, like, definitely those long runs, long tempos. But then, like, we work really hard on my speed, too. So, usually it's like my Tuesday track day. I'm doing a lot of like low marathon pace and I'm just working so hard to get like my baseline for like my mile my 5k my 10k pace down so that marathon pace feels more relaxed so I'm really like I love how my brains me working on speed and strength at the same time because it makes me a really dynamic runner and I think it makes on a little bit easier. And and I don't think too many people are training that way. I think a lot of people come in from really high mileage, a lot of just really long runs. And I think if you kind of alternate between work like speed, and I talk speed, like mile, 5K, and kind of marathon training, I think that it makes you a pretty, um, dynamic runner.
0: Um, Scott Roscoe, your coach, who's been your coach forever. Um, how have you guys like grown and evolved together over these past few years?
1: It's been really great because he coached me right out of college and I definitely needed different things out of a coach then, right? I think he was, you know, he'd give, he never really said like, this is how much you're running. He was very, you know, you listen to your body, he'd give me ranges and I could fill in the gaps, Um, but now even more so he's seen me evolve and like, I'm more conscious of my body and how I'm feeling. And he definitely takes that into account. Um, yeah, I see my mom right there saying, Scott is so great. Hey mom. But, uh, but, um, but then also I think he understands the demands that I have and he respects that. Right. I never feel like he knows how hard I work towards running and how hard I prioritize it. But he also knows running is not the top for me. Right. I have my family and I also have real estate too, that now I feel like running and real estate are, are getting a little bit closer, but uh, he understands that. So when I like, you know, I have a run and like, man, I was up all night. The kids were sick, this and this and this, like he gets it. He's like, okay, shift it. Do you know, get some sleep, relax. Let's do the workout tomorrow. You know? But then there's, like, some days where I'm, like, oh, man, I stayed up late working. He's, like, did you need to? I'm, like, no. <laughs> that one's on you, okay? You got <laughs> to tune it back a little bit, you know, and prioritize, like, how you're living your life and where you're putting your time. So he's a really good um, – but I do appreciate because it it's, not, it's not easy. Like, running is extremely important. I take it very seriously, and I do everything I can. But, like, you know, life, you know? <laughs> So he definitely works with, works with me there.
0: Hey, Alyssa in the comments wanted to know the night before Houston, did your husband and kids sleep with you in your room or did you go separate?
1: Oh, we went separate, man. <laughs> so,
0: Cause I got to Houston. So I went out, I think on Thursday,
1: they came out on Friday and they got their own hotel room and like leading into like a marathon. And I do feel guilty about this, but like, I mean being a parent is just a little exhausting even when you're not just all like the moms and the requests and just caring for someone and just so much of your mental energy goes like are they dressed do they need to go to the bath you know it's just like you're always thinking about that so it was nice for me just to be alone for a couple days and just like refocus and recenter and just relax be able to put my feet up but then also like i there is a lot of guilt there so like i tell myself if i'm isolating from my family like, I'm going to rock this race. Like, this isn't going to be for nothing, you know? So I feel like it's, like, a healthy amount of, uh, I don't know, guilt and then just relaxation. But, yeah, they, they had their own. They were, like, they were in party zone. This is like, a whole vacation for the family. They were at a different hotel with, like, the hotel had a lazy river in the shape of Texas. And so they had, like, the time of their lives. I not feel bad for them. They loved it. The Living
0: hotel. the dream. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the age thing, you know, like it's been a big, heavy focus, like you and Sarah Hall, like slaying these American records in your mid to late thirties. And, um, you know, I, I think about this a lot too, you and I'm a little bit older than you, but like some people like to say age is just a number, but I'm like, no, it's not your body gets older. Like, it's not just a number. So I'm just curious, like, your thoughts on, it. like, clearly we can, like, do amazing things in our late 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. But our we get older. Our bodies get older. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I First off, I just think it's, like, the coolest thing in the world that Sarah and I with, like, very similar stories of being mothers in our later 30s broke those records on the same day. I think that is such a powerful message about limits and that you just don't need to believe them. I don't know. Like, I think I still have so much room to improve and I know that I feel like I'm scratching the surface of my potential, but I also know I need to make sure I'm sleeping more. I need to be doing all the recovery. So it's like, I, I think I know I can keep getting faster, but I also know that I'm going to have to work hard to stay healthy, to stay injury free. Like I don't recover as quick as I did in my early twenties and, but that's okay. That's fine. It's, you know, I know, you know, I kind of figure out my limits and can work with them, but I don't know. I also think like marathoning, like, you know, it takes a while to get, and I mean, maybe other people pick up on it a little quick, more quickly than me, but it's taken me a really long time just to learn the patience of training and racing for a marathon Um, and then just figuring out nutrition, like leading into it and the day of, and like a 5k, if you you go right in a 5k, you could try again the next week and fine. But with marathons you get maybe one every six months or so, like if you really want to nail it. Um, So, but I don't know. I just, I don't believe any of that stuff, you know, and, I don't know. I just think people have been wrong before about stuff. And I, you know, where all the studies about like women peaking endurancely in their late thirties, I think that, uh, and I are prime right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I totally agree with that, but I also agree with like the recovery is a little more intense when, as you get older. Right. I think that, yeah, I think that's amazing. And I, I remember when I started this podcast, I feel like people talked about, like, once you're in your 30s, like, you're starting to get older. But now it's like, we're creeping up to 40s now, and people are setting American records. It's so
1: cool. Yeah, I don't plan on slowing down, so.
0: No. What do you do now though, Kira? Because, you know when you, like, you know when you hit a big goal? Have you ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> you know when you, like, yeah. hit a big goal in your life, though, and you're like, okay, now what? That's what they always talk about, like, post-marathon blues and things like that. Um, Where is your head and how do you stay grounded in this aftermath of celebration and owning this title and this new personal record, too?
1: Yeah, I think for me, like, I've always, like, I like having, like, goals along the way. So when I have, like, an end-all, be-all goal, that puts so much pressure on one thing. So for me, like, this year, marathon is a really big goal but this isn't like the end of the line for right I have goals like looking into this year all the way through 2024 and beyond so I think just knowing that this is a step stepping stone to where I'm going this can go great or it cannot and that's okay I'm still going to keep along my journey that it's kind of freeing you know and I told people like on the starting line I was thinking I'm either going to run five each pace today or I'm not And if I do, that's going to be awesome. And if I don't, I'm going to be in the exact same spot where I am right now. And I'm happy. I'm fine. You know, (laughs) life is good. So I think that, um, I don't know, I think just looking forward. So immediately you finish. Okay, great. Check. We're on to the next thing. You know, and you just keep moving forward. So I just, I think just having those goals and everything, just really, just, I don't know, just keep moving.
0: You know, going into the 2020 trials, you knew you were way faster than anybody else probably knew other than your coach probably and your husband and your close circle. Now going into 2024 trials, which isn't super soon, but kind of soon. You're like one of the names now. You know what I mean? Like you weren't before people didn't know, people didn't know what they didn't know. And you were, you you knew you had more in you than that 15th place at the trials in 2020. So, so how will that feel in your head going into it as one of the people? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to work on that.
1: Because I really, like, I got a lot of power from being, like, the underdog with something to prove, right? I loved, like, for, like, I loved being that unsponsored runner just showed up and wrecked havoc, you know? And sometimes I did wreck havoc and sometimes I didn't, you know, but it was so freeing for me just to feel like I was sticking it to oh who just sticking it to the man, you know. And now it's been awesome partnering with Nike because I feel like they can springboard me like the newer and greater heights. I have this huge support team which just makes things a little bit easier. But I don't know. I'm gonna have to reframe it because I always like going in trying to stick someone. So I'll have to figure out who I'm gonna try to stick
0: it to in the trial. <laughs> Is that weird? Is that a weird thing? <laughs> No, I totally get what you're saying in a different way. Like in my own life, I totally get it. It's like you have something that you want to prove to yourself if nobody else. But yeah, and then um, we'll wrap up here, but what's it been like to receive, I'm sure like all of the women's marathoning community, all the ladies, they're all so supportive of one another. I'm sure they've all been reaching out to you and congratulating you. What's that been like?
1: That's been, that's been really, really sweet. And I think it says a lot about like, the running community that we've created. But by the time I could check my phone, Molly Seidel had already Venmoed me $10 to go buy a beer. Because she's like, sorry, not in Houston to do this for you, but oh, buy yourself a beer. And I was like, that is just so sweet and thoughtful. And thank you. You know, it was, uh, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. And I think it, you know, I think we can all like rise up together. You know, I think we're pushing, like, I think, hopefully my Houston time just really open the gates and open the doors. And I think we're going to see a lot more women do that. Like, I think if I don't get that record again, I think someone else is going to take it from me pretty soon. And I think maybe I just showed people a path or showed people that was possible. And maybe people are thinking, dang, if Kira can do that, I can do that. You know, and that's exciting to me to think that like the American running program is just going to continue to get get faster and faster and faster so when we show up to like the olympics or world championship meets i just think we're going to be a force to be reckoned with and i think we're on our way to to getting there that's amazing
0: that's i love that that's so awesome um do you have world stages on your mind now
1: world stages Mm
0: -hmm. yeah like olympics and oh yeah of
1: course of course Like, I know I got to get there first and qualify, and then, uh, but that would be, I would love that, just that honor to represent the U.S., like, that's, like, that's one of my huge goals, to represent the U.S. in, like, a world championship race, so.
0: Yeah, you'll get there. Um, Okay, so what's the, what are you doing now? What is life now?
1: So, I'm on a little downtime break, just kind of running I feel which is really fun um so there's some days I'm like oh I feel like running today and today I don't feel like running today you know so we're kind of just taking it like day by day and then we'll start getting a little bit more intentional probably this will be kind of like the last week of that and then uh, next week we'll start getting in and do some light pickups and then maybe start working out in a couple weeks um but we we you know we're respecting the recovery marathons take take a lot out of you and then And then we'll start building up. You know, I want to make the world championship team for this summer, and they already selected the marathon team. So I got to go for that 10K, 5K. So I'll be working on some speed, and um, we'll see if I can get on the track.
0: Are you excited to shift your focus to shorter distances for a little bit?
1: Yeah, I am, especially because, like, in the marathon – what got me through is because it hurts so much. I like seriously made a deal with myself that I'm never going to do a marathon again, which I've already like reneged. That. I think at the time my mind aren't like, like, okay, this is kind of a fake promise, but it will be really fun to change that up because marathons are really long races. And uh, I mean, 5Ks and 10Ks, like they hurt a lot more. They're way more, nice, but it's just a different kind. I think they play off well for each other. But yeah, I'm excited to do a race that doesn't take over two hours.
0: kira i listen this is an honor i know that you have had 900 million interview requests since this so the fact that you've spent time with me i truly appreciate it so much
1: oh you know i love you Lindsay. thanks for having me this is really fun i like this format this is cool i like seeing all like the little comments and everything i think most of the people in the chat are related to me so thank you family for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you're not related to me, extra <laughs> virtual high five and hug for, for being here. This is awesome.
0: Um, Kira's family, I just need everybody to know, they are incredible. I've never met anybody in person, but when we did our Fun Friday episode, like, nine family members said in hilarious questions. I got video recordings of your daughter that I think your mother-in-law sent, like, yeah. Team D'Amato not only shows up at races, they show up on podcasts, too.
1: We, we, uh, we're there, man. We just like a party, you know, like invite us anywhere and we're there. We're kind of like, yes, people. So, uh, just give us the opportunity. And, um,
0: that's, that's what I'm saying. I I told you this before. I want to party crash one of your like family Christmases. I feel like you could just show up and everybody would be like, Hey, what's up? Come on in.
1: Yeah, that's it. I see someone said they want to be related. Well, we are accepting applications. uh, (laughs) Pretty much we accept all applications if you're a nice person. So uh, welcome. I'll have to put something up on my website, a little uh, application form to join the family. But thank you.
0: That's very nice. Well, Kira, thanks for doing this. We are all cheering for you, following your journey, and cannot wait to see what you do next. Let's
1: see, man. (laughs) It's
0: going to be a roller coaster for sure. But, you know, we, we got this. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is really fun chatting. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Kira. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening today. Thanks, Kira, for coming on the show, doing the Instagram live thing with me. Again, friends, if you want to find us over there, I am lindsayhines626 on Instagram, where we do Instagram lives every so often. Super fun way to be a little more engaged with the person I'm interviewing, as sometimes we ask questions live during that interview process on instagram live and we'd love to have you join us for those uh this podcast is part of the sandy boy productions podcast network check us out sandyboyproductions.com sandyboyproductions on instagram we've got some great other shows in the network including my podcast for parents called why is everyone yelling that show has been oh my gosh we are at a year and a half on that show and it has evolved and we've had some really great guests on the show Most recently, uh, Michelle Icard. she is the author of the book, 14 Talks Before Age 14. One of my favorite episodes I've recorded to date. Such a great one. Maybe start there if you want to check out that podcast. If you are enjoying this show, enjoying the bonus content, make sure you leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, so that potential new listeners can find us. We also have bonus content available on my Patreon page. If you want to support my work with the network there, it is patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine for a monthly financial commitment of $3 a month to support the work behind this show. You get at least one to two bonus episodes a month over there. Uh, Greatly appreciate your support, friends. Thanks for being here and we will see you this Friday on the podcast. Have a great day.